listening to Caring for Cleft, an audio series that tells stories of comprehensive cleft care. Caring for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is hosted by Executive Director Hugh Brewster. Approximately 1 in 700 children are born with a cleft in Europe. Now, as we all know, cleft lip and palate is a treatable condition. Yet kids and families in middle-income countries like Bulgaria have historically not had access to the rehabilitative support that would make a world of difference in their lives. In this episode of Caring for Cleft, we listen in to the inspiring stories of three dedicated European cleft professionals whose leadership in Bulgaria and beyond has already helped transform the lives of a generation of children. Gareth Davies' passion is expanding and deepening the support available to children and parents affected by cleft. He wants them to learn, to grow, and to emerge from their initial distress as true assets to the world. Hi, I'm Gareth Davis from the European Cleft Organization. I was a founder member of the European Cleft Organization back in 2007, so it's been a long haul. I think it's been a, a, a steep but very worthwhile climb. I was born with a cleft, so that puts me in a category of someone who has some inside knowledge. Obviously went through school and was fortunate to have a good group of friends and hospital appointments, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that, was, that was all fine. I, I, I sort of swam through that. But I wasn't really involved in English to do with clefts until I was mid-30s. And I think it was an enormous learning curve for me because for the first time in my life, I was actually working and dealing with parents predominantly. So they had a very different experience of clefts than I had had. And that was quite difficult for, for both sides, actually, trying to um, position myself to be understanding of their concerns and for them to realize that their children could actually grow up and achieve and become a, a, an asset to the world, as it were. What about the cleft parent experience was the biggest eye-opener for you, Gareth? How distressed they were, actually. I've never realized that perhaps my parents had been distressed as well. As children, you have a very different take on life to your parents. It sounds obvious, but you have to think it through. It was the extreme distress that I found amongst parents. And, and it's a real issue that I've spent probably a lot of the past 25 years actually focusing on how to allay their worries, their concerns, their fears, their disappointment, their anger. So did parents feel supported through this emotional journey? Back in the early 60s. There was very little support, and these kids weren't, there weren't any soft social support needs for families at all. Another story, I remember someone going, having their baby christened, and it was the, the priest actually told the parents to keep, the, keep a cloth over the baby's face in case it scared people in the church. And this is, you know, my life from 1960s, 1970s. That stigma is a heavy burden for a parent to carry. So all these taboo stigma subjects that we're dealing with now in the global South developing world, whatever you want to call it, they exist for everyone. We've learned other ways of how to support people, but the core issues are there. A cleft is a cleft wherever you are. The feelings that people have are much the same. There's a lot society can and should do to allay fears and support, but the feelings, the loss, the anxiety, the lack of bonding, 
that a lot of parents can have is commonplace. It's a big thing I learned at Clapper. It's remained with me is how parents must be part of the overall team, the care package. It's very important. CLAPA, or the Cleft Lip and Palate Association, was founded in the UK where Gareth grew up. It played a crucial national role in drawing together three constituent groups, cleft patients, cleft parents, and cleft care providers to growing acclaim. An increasing number of people beyond the UK started to take notice of CLAPA's innovative model by the early 2000s. One of the things that I started doing in my last years at Clapper was, was looking around. We made contact with various support groups around Europe, and we actually held a congress in London, bringing all kinds of people together. We were looking at how we could work together to perhaps support parents in other countries. And that's the real hook for Bulgaria, I guess, was, was that moment. What set the cleft care movement in Bulgaria apart was that the voice and experience of parents was at its very core. Jana Angelova is the long-term director of what came to be known as Association Ala, the parent group Gareth first learned about almost 20 years ago. Jana, what was the situation for families in Bulgaria like prior to Ala's founding in the late 1990s? The problems were enormous. I met a lot of parents who were really in trouble and uh, didn't know how to proceed with the treatment of their children. At the time, only surgical treatment was provided by the state. I met patients at the time where surgeon in Sofia has operated the child, and since then it was they disappeared. They didn't have any contact with this doctor anymore. They didn't know what to do about the speech and the hearing of the child, and they, they were really in big troubles. It was a really difficult time for them. So even when surgery was provided, parents had huge concerns about follow-up, not to mention no information about the speech or hearing issues their children could experience. The cleft treatment needs comprehensive approach, and at the time it was something that nobody could think. I know that right after the democracy in Bulgaria, there were one or two years when the cleft surgeries were prohibited as non-vital surgeries and patients had to wait for a year to get their child operated. The situation in Bulgaria has changed for the better since those early days. With Alice's support, children now routinely have access to timely surgery, speech therapy, and ongoing oral care. Jenna, what keeps you motivated to continue to push for improved access to comprehensive cleft care? There are many stories, but um, it's about a family from Ruse is um, about uh, 350 kilometers away from Plovdiv. They are from Turkish background. It's typical for these ethnos. They live in a very close family group and relation, and the parents and the grandparents can influence the decision of the young people in very uh, big uh, extent. So in the family was born a, a girl. They told to the mother she is not able to feed her baby, and the baby has to be left in an orphanage. Ah. Oh. So at this really vulnerable time for the parents, they were told to give up their baby because of her cleft? 
actually the parents are not so ignorant people. They are educated, but they were under the influence of the parents and the grandparents and the medical professionals of the hospital. They decided to leave the baby at the orphanage for a while until the operations are finished. We received a call from the sister of the father and we invited her to bring the child at the hospital unit because she wanted the child to not stay at the orphanages. How did the baby's aunt find accurate information about cleft? She looked on the internet and she found out that the problem with the feeding can be solved easily and she needed our support in order to make the authorities from the orphanage to give them the baby, to take the baby to Plovdiv, have the consultation, and uh, then make all the approaches to take their baby back. So the baby's aunt learned that the challenge of feeding a baby with cleft was, was not so difficult as she'd been led to believe. She wanted your support in getting the child back in her parents' care. W- what happened next? So they came one Friday, and we found out that the baby was in a very bad condition. And the nurse specialist of the team worked with the mother and the father and the aunt for four hours. And uh, after these four hours, we wrote our statement and our recommendations for the authorities in Russia and the social workers in Russia that the mother now is able to feed her baby and the baby can stay home. They had a trial and afterwards they managed to take their baby back. Finally, they are now grown up and I saw them two Fridays ago. She's now grown up, yes. And she has a brother. Everything looks okay. This is very motivating. Yes, for this story, we keep working. Jana's heartening story of resilience and a happy new beginning illustrates the many challenges cleft parents in Bulgaria can face. Next, I spoke with one of the early founders of Association Ala, Professor Yuri Anastasov. My name is Yuri Anastasov. I'm a professor in plastic surgery in Bulgaria and precisely in Plovdiv. Yuri, we've heard about the challenges facing cleft parents in Bulgaria. How have their struggles helped to shape the movement from its earliest days? Bulgaria had a big economic trouble in the country. So it was a period when cleft lip and palate was not considered as an important surgery. So we had the prohibition for surgeries for several months. So this was the motivation of many parents to fight and try to, to improve the situation. So the parents were very motivated because their children were not getting the treatment they needed. When I came to Plovdiv, it was a completely new place, but new for me and very old in uh, conditions. So parents helped me very much to buy instruments because I didn't have any instruments in the beginning. But it was just uh, a very strange story of how we can move from nothing to something that is now much better. But it was uh, like. we had to give some bottle of liquor to the guy that can repair our anesthesia machine. It was really the beginning very, very hard. And then after that, we have seen that 
there is a symbiotic work between parents and the clinicians. And we keep that idea that we need parents and parents need us. And this is how we made the ALA. A distinctive element of cleft care in Bulgaria is its connection to orphanages, which we've already heard a little about. Yuri, how has the situation changed? Officially, they are more or less not existing now, but they still exist because they have changed the name. In fact, the reform is not very clear for me. I have been visiting several orphanages, and you can find one that is very good with nice people, very intelligent director. They have a lot of speech therapies, rehabilitation, and they are nice. In other places, when they are not allowed us to visit, it could be terrible. But do you find that some parents are still advised to abandon children with cleft? Now, now we are very famous. Our association is known by doctors and many parents. But maybe 10 years ago, for example, very poor families said, okay, if I give my child to orphanage, they will make the surgeries for free and then I will have my child back. Now, I think that everybody knows that we are not charging and it's completely free. And how has our help parents addressed the social stigma associated with having a cleft? I believe that maybe we are not able to perform the most complicated surgery in the world, but probably we can improve a lot of the treatment if we educate the parents, because most of the problem is psychological. The society, the parent attitude, these things are changing completely the life of a child if we can change this. We don't have to buy a very complicated scanner for that. It's just organizational work that should be done uh, every day. One of the best strategies to fight stigma and help parents gain access to comprehensive cleft care is providing educational materials and resources to families. Yuri, tell us about the cleft database you've developed. This is a dream that I had many years ago. It was in the beginning a project that has been funded by the Ministry of Education. It's uh, like a database that we organized just to have the cases in the internet, having some contact between the parents and us. There is a different pages specific to the specialty that are consultation or therapy. And when there is a therapy, we can note the type of therapy, surgical or speech therapy or orthodontics or ENT. This was uh, very important in these last uh, 10 years that we have done that. We have more than 1,200 patients already inside. We see that with rapid technological development in a country like Bulgaria, parents have more access to cleft resources than ever before. Gareth, what stands out for you? I mean, that, the ALA website, which you know, we've both been involved with, has a lot of hits. It's well put together and, and it's got all the key people. There's you know, networks of parent contacts, there's network, you know, there's national networks of orthodontists, national networks of speech therapists, and all that information is openly available. And Yuri is able to keep tabs on all this through the national patient database that he set up, which is really working. It, it keeps what could be a very disparate network in check. It means that every time there is a contact with an orthodontist or a speech therapist in the network, it's logged, it's noted, and parents can access the system and they, they can give permission to other health professionals to access their children's records. So it's very flexible. 
Beyond medical records and network professionals, the beating heart of the movement for cleft care in Bulgaria is the people. Jana, what can you tell us about the specialists you work with? I'm really glad to have all these uh, team members because the first and the most important thing I can say about all of them, they are really high qualified specialists. Absolutely sincerely. <laughs> For Professor Yuri, oh. <laughs> in my opinion, Professor Anastasov is the reason why the medical record exists, the multidisciplinary exists and manage to work together. And the entire work we are doing, this is because of him. It's important for uh, all the other specialists to uh, understand why it's important to have this mutual work and each of them to understand the work of the other specialists. So the whole process of treatment can be optimal. When medical professionals, parents, and the community are able to come together to support the rehabilitation of a child, the possibilities are limitless. And I think that is all about raising awareness in the community, raising awareness in the population at large, and just saying over and over again that things can be different. Things don't have to be the way they were when these health professionals were leaving graduate school or whatever. Mm. You know, things have moved on since then. What type of activities Allah can undertake to, to get into medical schools and say, we work with a cleft team, we work with kids with clefts. How about having a one day a week module on this is what happens with clefts? If you get to the places where people are being educated, things will change. Thanks to the dedication of the parents and professionals of Allah working together, change is indeed happening. It's not normal that a child should go into care. One of the reasons they were going into care was because there was a whole issue around feeding. Babies were all specially being fed with nasogastric tubes, which meant they couldn't go home, taking up hospital bed space, so they'd be moved to an orphanage. And so the first work we were doing was, was around conferences for midwives, obstetricians, producing leaflets. We were training parents to support other parents. So if there's a parent with a child and they're told by a health professional, to abandon their baby, well, they can phone up a parent and actually find out more about the care. And this unique thing about parent-to-parent support is really positive. Equipping parents to support other parents will relieve the hands of the cleft team if you can put over some of your essentially counselling work to train parents. And that's something that really took off in Bulgaria. They, they just went with it. Yuri, you've been at this a long time. What motivates you to keep pushing forward for better cleft care for all? Today, it was very funny because my wife has a birthday. So I went to buy flowers and the florist said, I know you, Dr. Anastasov. Yes, uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. You have been operating my niece. She's Wamena. Wamena is one of the bilateral cleft that I operate uh, 20 five years ago, and I was very happy when she was 18. I asked her, Ramena, what do you want to do now? She said, I want to be a movie director. And she told me today that she has finished that. And I was very happy because my dream is to have a, a goal. When you see a child that is 18 and has a goal to study, 
this is the beautiful best possibility and this is like a present for today when i saw this this relative of her and, and it was a pleasure that every day we had some uh, feedback that comes to to say that we are doing something that is important as we've heard cleft families can experience a range of challenges including stigma misinformation and insufficient access to resources it can be easy to feel isolated and abandoned in bulgaria thanks to ala's inspiring work in connecting parents and cleft care specialists families are equipped to see their children lead a full life Caring for Cleft is brought to you by the team at Transforming Faces. It is produced by Andrea Miller with help from Hugh Brewster, Rachel Weiner, and Megan Yunechka. We're grateful to our guests, Gareth Davies, Jana Angelova, and Professor Yuri Anastasov for sharing their expertise and personal experiences with us. Association Ala is a partner of the European Cleft Organization, Smile Train, and Transforming Faces.